So let's talk about uh, the challenge that we're facing with, with work from home, all of a sudden starting in so many businesses and organizations. You know, it happened on short notice uh, because of COVID-19. And so there wasn't a lot of pre-planning. There wasn't a lot of sort of checking to make sure home networks were uh, were up to the task of uh, supporting our enterprise applications. And, uh, you know, that leaves us in this situation where um, we have these uh, unreliable, we'll say, networks uh, that we don't have any visibility into. <clears throat> but our enterprise applications are now running over them. And uh, we have to you know, we have to improvise and try and make it work. Everyone's kind of scrambling right now to, to keep businesses up and running. And, you know, previously it was a situation where we would say, you know, I'm, I'm a network engineer for, for my company and I support my company's network. And that's what I'm paid to do. And your home network is, is not my concern. And that's a perfectly reasonable reasonable approach, you know, given the, the fact that you have control and you designed and uh, you manage that enterprise network and somebody's home network is totally outside of your purview. But uh, circumstances today are different and we're being asked to troubleshoot and help out work from home users with networking issues. And uh, we, we've got to sort of do our best uh, to see what we can do. So to dive in a little bit more into, you know, exactly what's wrong with home networks, you know, it all stems from the fact that these are networks that are set up by folks that aren't network engineers. So, uh, you know, the goal is to get connectivity working, plug in all the boxes, connect to the Wi-Fi, and if that work from home user can load a web page, they're done. Nobody's going to walk the, you know, their home or apartment with, with an Echo House sidekick and do a site survey and plug in application requirements and things like that. Uh, no, we just want to make sure it works and uh, and uh, off we go. That's fine at home, but when we've got enterprise applications with very specific requirements, uh, you know, it can lead to to problems. Um, and and the the, um, the APs and routers people are using at home are not the same quality of as enterprise gear. Also, the internet connections people have uh, almost always are best effort uh, residential connections. They don't have an SLA. They they don't have any guaranteed bandwidth you don't know how large that circuit is. Um, and there's no quality of service on the circuit either, which makes uh, VoIP performance a real question mark as well. Um, so let's get into you know, some of the boxes you'll encounter in, in a home network. And I'm gonna pick on ASUS a little bit here. Certainly not the only manufacturer that makes boxes like this. But theirs is the uh, theirs had the scariest looking 
uh, wireless router. So, so I picked does. that one out. <laughs> yep. So this is this is you know like what's what's considered a gaming router, and you might find this in some of your work from home users networks. And I just want to just highlight some of the marketing uh, around it and how each of these features that's presented as a benefit may actually uh, make your job harder in delivering those enterprise applications uh, to that work from home user. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being critical about work from home networks, but I, I'm not here to pick on end users. They're not network engineers, right? They're buying what's on the shelf and, uh, you know, they believe what's on the side of the box. Um, so, um, you know, if, if anyone's to blame for challenges like this, it's the, it's the manufacturers of some of the equipment. And I thought you were going to say marketing guys. Well, uh, <laughs> with our CMO on the line, I'll say, I'll just say manufacturers. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but let's look at some of these features. So, uh, first of all, this is a, a wireless router with three radios in it two five gigahertz radios and one 2.4 gigahertz radio. And I'm sure by default they're set to extremely wide channel widths. So it's gonna eat up spectrum. If this was your neighbor in a dense apartment building, you'd be pulling your hair out because there's there would be very few available channels that it's not using or, or are available, we'll say. So that's no good. And you don't need that much spectrum uh, for a home network. Uh, well, you know, we'll breeze past the fact that it's got 10 gigabit Ethernet uh, and just, you know, <laughs> uh, continue on the Wi-Fi uh, features. It supports the DFS band, which is cool. Lots of available channels there that normally aren't used uh, in, in residential networks. But, uh, you know, if they're near an area where there's going to be DFS hits and it's changing channels a lot, that's gonna be really disruptive and it's unlikely that that end user is gonna be able to understand why that's happening. Uh, WT Fast is some sort of gaming centered VPN. So if your home users using VPN, which many are now they're using VPN inside of VPN and that's just gonna cause problems. It's not even really marketed clearly as to what it actually is. I had to dig into the uh, <laughs> documentation a little bit to figure out what that was. Adaptive QoS, this is some of that um, layer seven voodoo that, that some vendors like to use to identify applications on the network and then um, do something with that. In this case, apply QoS tags, but that's really hard to get right. And uh, you know, our, your enterprise application traffic is, is being subjected to that. Uh, mesh networking, again, using more spectrum perhaps than is, is necessary. And then AI protection, you know, again, this is just more of that layer seven stuff, but this time it could be blocking uh, traffic and we're using application signatures to and AI to infer what the traffic on the network is and then perform some action. We do this in the enterprise, right? We've got layer seven content firewalls inspecting traffic, but 
there we've got very, very expensive hardware. We've got support contracts from the vendors. We've got teams of expert network and security engineers making sure everything works and it still breaks sometimes. At home, you've got a consumer level box with, you know, built to a, a price point and um, almost no visibility into what that software is doing. So the chances of that, you know, going well for us with our enterprise application traffic is, well, it, we can just assume there'll, there'll be problems. So simplicity would be better, but unfortunately that's not always what we find. And then back to sort of the design issues at home. People don't like to see those scary Wi-Fi routers, you know, with cables all over the place out in the open. And this is, this is a Pinterest board that I found that just shows you all the different ways you could hide your wireless router. Um, so, you know, your house is nice and neat and that ugly appliance is, is hidden away, out of sight, out of mind. Of course, we know that doing that is not good for the, for the RF uh, environment that it's operating in. Signal strength will be low. There'll be all sorts of uh, things happening to the RF that we don't like. Um, and, and so, you know, not good. Uh, maybe on the positive front though, a lot of the mesh products really have been designed to be aesthetically pleasing, which hopefully is getting more and more people putting them out in the open, uh, which will provide for better Wi-Fi uh, performance. Um, so there's that. So how are we troubleshooting this? Um, yeah, without without any extra visibility like we provide with Mobileye, you, it almost feels like call, you know, going through a, the cable company's tech support script. Uh, unplug it, plug it back in. Can you move the router closer? You know, which is frustrating uh, for both sides of that, of that conversation, as we all know. Um, and so, it, you know, it's, it, it, and there's a lot of ambiguity here move the router closer. Well, is it close enough? You don't really know. You're not seeing the actual signal strength and data rates that the client's achieving. Um, you know, asking the end user how fast their internet, internet connection is, they may not know. Um, and, and if they run a speed test, is that uh, being limited by poor Wi-Fi or a, a poor internet connection? And then you can try and walk them through some uh, CLI commands to get some valuable data, but oh, we know how painful that can be when you're sort of trying to get them to type in exactly what you're saying and you're repeating yourself and then they have to read it back to you. Uh, it's a real challenge. So, you know, uh, those are things you can do without any extra help. Another thing, this is, uh, you know, just just from my personal experience, you don't have to use Wi-Fi at home. Uh, very few homes and apartments are wired up with twisted pair uh, Cat5 or Cat6 cables, but there are other wired options. Powerline Ethernet is one uh, that uses the power lines, the electrical lines in your home or apartment to uh, distribute an Ethernet connection or create an Ethernet network. Uh, that's not as reliable perhaps as as uh, as twisted pair 
or the other option here, but it, it works. I would just say, if you try that, keep your receipt uh, and, and, uh, and uh, plug it in and see what you get. And if it doesn't work, you know, you can return it. Uh, but oftentimes it's, it's fine. Uh, the other option is Mocha 2.0. This uses um, coaxial lines like RG6 uh, for cable TV uh, to do the same thing, to create an ethernet network uh, using those cables. That's what I use at home, actually, up to my home office. I've got a Mocha 2.0 uh, um, interface, and it's just like using Twisted Pair. It's really fast, very low latency, uh, much more reliable in my experience in Powerline Ethernet. Um, so those are options, you know, for a more permanent installation. Um, and then what I would say, though, is uh, you know, to really help solve this work from home um, problem for an enterprise that has a lot of users in a lot of different places, that's really where Mobileye comes in. It provides the visibility that we need to solve some of these problems and get insights into who's having network issues and what the nature of them are. Uh, because it's running on those endpoints on whatever network they're on, their home networks, your network, uh, the coffee shops network, um, wherever they are, perhaps in the in the parking lot after going through the drive-through, but wherever they are, and uh, and so um, it, it allows you to get give real more you know more actionable advice. Uh, uh, based on what you see. So let's dive into a demo uh, and get out of these slides. So let me make myself presenter and let's share. Here we go. Okay, so we're looking at Mobileye here. And this is all the uh, information we've got from a single um, from a single computer uh, in our demo environment. And here's the host name. We can search for them by host name and pull them up really easily. Um, and what we can see are the problems, the Wi-Fi problems and end-to-end -end problems he's had over time. We can dive into the raw data here and look at that if we want, including tracking his location. So you see the location, uh, there, work from home in Copley, Ohio, and then sometimes he's at headquarters, right? Going back and forth a little bit back in early March when we're looking at this. So we can see the nature of the problems he's had and, and where they've occurred. Um, so let's look at um, this roaming problem. You can see here he's had one at, uh, at um, on our corporate network, but also on his home network, hashtag Momo Go Boom. I think that's uh, that's what the hashtag he uses on all his cat photos on Instagram, if I believe. <laughs> that's exactly what it I is. Understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he wants to get the word out to all of his neighbors to check him out there. Apparently. But he's got a multi-AP uh, network at home. He's got probably a mesh network, which are more and more common at home because they provide more coverage and they're easy to deploy. Uh, but now you have to consider roaming problems. And here's an instance where he had a roaming problem where his machine did not roam 
uh, from one AP to the next effectively. And we can scroll through and see that, yeah, actually that's happened a couple times at his house, which is very handy. We can also see coverage issues, right? Very easy to understand what these are, but this is, you know, this is that problem where the the wireless router got stuck behind the refrigerator and um, you know they now you have to help them figure out how close it needs to get or where to put it um, and this takes the guesswork out of it yeah it was uh, the signal strength was low before and I can see if we look at the analysis area here exactly what it is now after changes are made so we can tell if an intervention was uh, effective enough. Congestion problems will help us look at, uh, you know, that issue where the speed test results were bad. Well, why was it bad? Was it because the router was still behind the refrigerator and the Wi-Fi performance was in the tank? Or is it because you're on a residential internet connection that's, you know, not given the same priority as uh, a business circuit is? And here we can see Okay, we have very low throughput. We ran a throughput test automatically, just like that speed test um, does. This runs in the background automatically. And our Wi-Fi data rate is great. So we don't have a Wi-Fi problem here in terms of data rate. Uh, but, man, this channel is just absolutely uh, saturated. 91% channel utilization. We grabbed that right out of the beacon frame from the AP he was connected to. So we know that he's in a really, really ugly RF environment. We can see what channel this he was operating on. It was channel 11 in the 2.4 gigahertz band. You know, in dense residential areas, 2.4 gigahertz band can get pretty trashed. And maybe he was, who knows, heating up cat food in the microwave and that was causing interference, causing that channel utilization to go so high. So very, very handy, because now we're, you know, we're not, we're, we're taking our attention away from that uh, internet circuit and thinking, oh, okay, he's in, you know, let's try moving it to a different channel. Can we switch it maybe to five gigahertz uh, and get away from this really, really ugly spectrum? Now we're getting more and more closer to those root causes. Um, Co-channel interference, also very valuable. Uh, some of these are issues at the headquarters where we've uh, made some a mess testing out new APs. Um, but also, you know, these end-to-end -end problems are really valuable. Can I reach uh, the uh, application servers that I need to reach? So let me change our time frame here. Let's go to this last week and look at ping connectivity again. So first of all, he's had some trouble pinging his gateway. If we can't ping the gateway at his house, uh, we've got a, a home network problem that uh, doesn't affect, um, you know, it isn't caused by uh, anything you are doing on your end. But also, can we? ping this Skype for business gateway, um, this, this, uh, this VoIP application server. If we're a Skype for business shop and we can't reach it, uh, you know, that's a problem that we need to get into. Similarly, we, we've got a 
a public Citrix portal we can check on and see if we can reach it or not. And not just if we can reach it, but how much latency. This is over, this problem is showing us over a second of latency to the Skype for Business uh, front end. That's way too much for acceptable VoIP performance. Skype for Business wants uh, 40 milliseconds or less in round trip time. So that's really, really out there and it's gonna cause uh, VoIP problems. You know, one thing I'm noticing too, as I'm looking at these is, here he is operating in the 2.4 gigahertz band primarily. So uh, again, we're getting so much really good data from this home network and really getting a feel for what's going on and how applications are, are being disrupted. Here we are again with high uh, latency, this time to a Citrix front end. So, you know, if you're doing VDI from home, low latency uh, is really, really important for good performance. And we can also measure uh, throughput and web download. Um, so like web download is going to be just loading that web page and making sure we get a uh, success message from the web server. This is an application uh, layer test. And you can see here on the same uh, channel and band, he's unable, been unable to reach this server. So really handy. And we can still, whenever we need to go through this data on our own, just scroll through the raw data to help, you know, help us make our own determinations about it. These tests are all highly configurable. So I can go in here and say, you know, I want to change this Skype for business test to only run on certain networks, probably want to run it on every network uh, in this case. Uh, speaking of which, I can go into my setup and uh, change this field. So we're testing every Wi-Fi network that, that our users connect to. Before this COVID-19 uh, thing started happening, a lot of people were only testing their own networks, right? I don't want to know what's going on anywhere else except for the networks I control, but now people are switching it over to test every network because they've got a, a, a remote distributed workforce and they need visibility wherever they are now. Um, and also these thresholds are all configurable. So if I need better signal strength or better data rates for the applications that I'm supporting, I can configure the thresholds that make sense here as well. I showed you how to look at a machine sort of reactively where you're just logging in, looking at all the data and making determinations about what you've seen. But we have some really neat ways to proactively discover machines that are having issues too. So our Wi-Fi report will show us those, all the SSIDs that our users have connected to in the last day. And I can drill into them and see uh, you know, what problems they've encountered. If I look at my own network, I can see that I had a congestion issue uh, yesterday uh, afternoon. So uh, kind of low throughput. And, you know, if I was using a throughput hungry business application, uh, that could be an issue. And similarly, I can see all the other networks that people have been using as well and drill in and, and see, you know, if there's, if there are 
particular users there uh, that need some help. So here's one, again, coverage issues here at this work from home Rocky River location. And yeah, he's had pretty low signal strength. I think he is working out in his garage and has like a brick wall between the garage and the house where his wireless router is. Um, so that would be, you know, this is really helpful information to see when troubleshooting that problem. And we can use this to find those, those users that have had the most issues um, uh, before they even call us. You know, we can identify them and see if there are things that, you know, point at certain uh, potential underlying problems that we can notify them about. We've got some more standard reports that'll help us with that too. So uh, one of those is the um, Wi-Fi problems by AP. So we can look at the APs in use and see um, which have the most problems and then drill in and see uh, who the users are of those of those machines. This is a work from home location here. And here, this AP has had a lot of coverage issues and we'll see uh, the listing of uh, clients that have um, dealt with that uh, over the last week. So uh, pretty handy there. And then we can always drill in and search for a particular uh, client this way and discover it uh, to look at their data over the past three months if we need to. We've got 90 days of data here. So very, very handy. Uh, a great way to get remote visibility into those work from home networks. Uh, this runs on Windows, Mac OS, and Android. And it's easy to distribute even to those remote machines. Uh, using uh, Microsoft SCCM or an MDM tool to get it installed and configured, uh, it's easy. And and so um, I think that about wraps up the demo. Let's go back to the slides. Don, I will make you presenter again. All right, I've got, I can do it. Okay, thank you. Cool. All right, um, great demo as usual, Jim. Um, so I'll take your questions now. Um, so if you've got those related to anything, uh, any trouble that you're seeing now, uh, challenges that you can't overcome, something specific to 7Signal, um, whatever you'd like um, during this time. Um, uh, and thanks for throwing those questions in throughout the presentation. So it makes uh, the transition here a lot easier. So thank you for doing that. Um, Jim, one question here about the mutual action plan for uh, the 50 for 50 offer. Can you just give a general overview of you know, why that's valuable and, and what that is? Yeah, that's just, so the uh, the POT guide that we um, we start that off with is just a kind of a, a, a quick summary of, of what's gonna happen and who's gonna be involved. And it helps us get a feel for uh, what your goals are for the trial so that you know we're not wasting your time and when we do have that meeting we can uh, focus in on what your you know your pain points are and, and what you need help with um, so it's it's very targeted and it keeps everyone sort of on the same page about about the trial 
Right. No doubt about it. What What do you think the timing is, um, you know, from, you know, form fill out to, you know, go live with Mobilize? Pretty easy? Yeah, it's pretty fast. Um, those uh, those new Mobileye organizations are usually stood up in, in a day or two. Okay, thank you. Uh, one question around pricing here. It says, uh, do you set the price targets? Um, oh, excuse me, not price. This says ping. I should put my glasses on. <laughs> do, you set, do you set the ping targets manually or are those automatically entered based on applications Mobileye identifies on the network? Yeah, good question. Uh, so there are a couple that are preset. The gateway ping is preset. And then I think we've got google.com preset, but you can absolutely customize those. We encourage all our customers to do that. So you're pinging the uh, application servers or endpoints that are most relevant to you and your uh, business, um, including those on your private networks that aren't internet accessible. So, so yes, it's fully customizable. Thank you, Jim. Next question here, uh, is Mobileye available uh, only on the cloud or is there an on-premise version? Mobileye is cloud native and cloud only. Alrighty, thank you. Next one here. Um, uh, sorry, I'm scrolling through here these as fast as possible. Another question about installed versus cloud. I see a question here about uh, uh, being connected to VPNs. We've done a lot of work actually in the last couple of weeks to ensure uh, much broader compatibility with software VPN software uh, that people are running. So um, our version of Mobileye that is being released uh, this week um, and is automatically installed for all our customers um, has uh, has better VPN compatibility. Um, so that's a pretty neat uh, feature that we've got now. And uh, do, you, do you know the general availability of that, um, Jim? Is that uh, this week? That is, yeah, that should be this week. I don't know exactly which day. All righty. Um, question about uh, uh, ISPs here. How could you use Mobileye uh, for residential consumers of ISPs? Uh, would it be just the case uh, where basics for clients and speed problems? That's a good question. Um, so yeah, you, you could um, have could have those customers install the agent themselves, uh, which is very simple to do. Anyone with uh, admin rights on a machine can do it. Um, and you, we do have a uh, troubleshooting organization, um, which is a organization where the install, where the agent actually uninstalls itself automatically. So if you wanted to put this out on BYOD machines or uh, customers who have uh, computers that you don't own or manage and they don't want to run it forever, you can use that self-destructing installer and only run it for a, a, sh a short period of time. Um, so that can help uh, as well. 
All right. Um, what would the uh, what would the client leaving the house and roaming to cellular show up as a coverage issue? Yeah. So we only measure. Yeah, we only take uh, res test results when the client has an active Wi-Fi connection. So you know the when once it's on cellular and it no longer has a Wi-Fi connection, you wouldn't see any connect uh, uh, data from us. But you know if they're in a situation where they're sort of in between, you know, it's kind of you know on the front step or in the garage and the Wi-Fi connection is there, but it's really poor and that phone or laptop is still hanging onto it, you would see that as a coverage issue. That's true. Um, next question here is around MOS. Uh, can Mobileye do voice testing such as MOS scores? Yeah, our Mac OS agent actually can do a, uh, a VoIP test where it does a simulated voice call um, over a, a UDP stream um, and then calculates a MOS score uh, based on the uh, uh, latency, packet loss, and jitter. Uh, in that test. All right, uh, question here uh, from the gentleman who asked about the cloud architecture for Mobileye. Um, he understands, uh, but what is the sensor architecture? Oh, sure. So uh, Sapphire Eye is, uh, is cloud-based um, and um, we, you know, we can localize those. We have them in uh, uh, cloud servers in uh, different continents to satisfy different needs and uh, regulatory concerns. There is an on-premise version, but we 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 try to uh, avoid our customers deploying that because then they end up having to support a server and software um, that um, um, needs a significant amount of uh, upkeep. So. Uh, we encourage cloud, um, and its cloud ends up being significantly less expensive as well. But there is an on-premises version if absolutely necessary. All right, we've got time for maybe one or two more here. Try and get to them all. If we and if we don't get to them uh, live here, we can certainly email you answers to these. Um, another cloud-related question: Is the agent updated automatically when versions are released? And mobile and the mobile dashboard is hosted. Uh, does the dashboard get updated when the client is updated? Yeah. So uh, the agent is updated automatically um, on all of our platforms, uh, which is great. Uh, so as soon as we have a new uh, stable release, uh, those endpoints will pick it up and download it and install it uh, silently in the background is great. It makes it easier to deliver new features and new functionality uh, faster and uh, than having to update it on your own. The dashboard is hosted, uh, that's right, and um, usually, usually those things do get updated at the same time because a, uh, a fix for the agent or a new feature in the agent will need um, new functionality in the dashboard uh, to take advantage of it, uh, but they are, um, that's not always the case. Sometimes there's just bug fixes for the agent that gets 
They get pushed out independently of a dashboard update as well.